Welcome to the Churchmount Sheepdogs podcast. In this series, I interview handlers and experts from Ireland and indeed from all over the world. And the aim of the series is to spark new ideas for training and trialing for the listener as a result of these conversations. The series is in part sponsored by Away With Dogs, a new sheepdog trial YouTube series. And you can find out more on awaywithdogs.co.uk. This week I'm talking to an Irish handler. Well, maybe she's not Irish. She's Austrian, really, but we sort of claimed her. And she's been living here for the last few years. It's Miriam Lettner. And last year, Miriam had a very good year. She won a day in the National and qualified it to, uh, for the three dogs to run in the runoff. She was one, and she put up a very good run. Uh, and earned second place in the Irish National. And then went on to compete in the International in Scotland, where she put up a very good run on a very difficult course uh, with her dog, Glenn. And she was qualified for this year's world trial. And unfortunately, as we all know, that's not going ahead now. So I just talked to Miriam about what it's like and, and what she's doing with herself now and what she thinks about everything. And we've got a new co-sponsor for these interviews now. It's um, CSJ and their Away With Dogs uh, YouTube program. So don't forget to check that out there. Uh, I'll leave a link here in the, in the notes on the post. I'm trying to think when I met you first. I think it was around 2014. It was before I even got back into dogs and, and Paul Donald was having a trial here and I met you and I thought you were just like you were over for a weekend or something. I didn't realise you were living here. I suppose I was wondering, how does somebody in Austria get involved in sheepdogs? And, you know, how, do, how, did, that, how did you get bitten with that bug? Like? Um, well, I, I grew up um, as a real city girl. Actually, I grew up in Salzburg City. My father came originally from a, a dairy farm, um, but he hated farming and um, he moved to the city. So we all grew up as, as city children and had the typical life. But I always wanted to have dogs. I always wanted to have animals. I, I loved horses. I, I went horse riding and spent a lot of time on my grandparents' farm. Yeah, actually, when my father my father said kind of this typical Austrian saying, as long as you live in my house and you have to feed under my table, <laughs> you can't have a dog because we live in the city. Yes. So as soon as I had university finished, um, I went off and bought my first sheepdog. And I first saw sheepdogs actually when I did my leaving cert. I went um, on a holiday with a few friends to Scotland. Yes. And that's where I have seen sheepdogs the first time. So between the age of 18 and by the time I was finished with the university, when I was 24, I was graving and waiting to get my first sheepdog. And how did you know it was going to be a sheepdog? Just that's what you, you saw them walking in Scotland or what? I saw them walking in Scotland. We, we stayed at the B&B um, on a farm and the farmer went out and brought the sheep in with the dog. And I thought that's exactly what I want to do. That's, that's mad. So you were living in Salzburg or grew up in Salzburg. I didn't even know that you grew up in the city. I thought you grew up on a farm. How did you start? Did you get sheep or what was the next step after getting a dog? Like, Well, I got the dog and I hadn't a clue about dogs and I hadn't a clue about sheep and <laughs> I had no stock sense at all and I had actually no dog sense at all. Yeah. Um. So I got the, my first dog came from a goat farmer. Um, he was breeding 
sheepdogs and he was involved in the Austrian Sheepdog Society um, long before that as well. Um, so I started my first dog really off on, on goats, yes. um, which which wasn't that easy for me either because I had no clue about goats and um, I just had no idea how to start the dog. And the things that the people told me didn't make any sense to me. And even when I was watching videos or reading books, it just didn't make sense to me at all. So it didn't, it didn't work out <laughs> really well. And I bought a few sheep and I rented a piece of land and I just felt it was all hardship, yes. actually. When I think back, I think, oh my God, what a disaster. <laughs> well, I, I think it's funny because because you don't know anything, you don't know how the scale of the thing that you're taking on. And still, you went off and you bought the dog, and then you bought a few sheep, and then you rented a bit of ground. Like that's a lot to put together. And so, how does it go from that to actually being able to train your dog? Mm, well, I don't know at what stage I felt I'm able to train a dog. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm still, uh, if I even would say now I'm able to train a dog, but. Um, I think it took me quite a long time. I went, because in Austria, there wasn't at that time, that was 2001, at that time there weren't that many people around that could help you. Yes. And the people that were around my area were all farmers, and they were probably all laughing at me. Yes. You know, they, they saw me there um, with my probably fancy outdoor gear and this clean dog. and Yeah, city girl and, with a dog. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and no clue what to do and no clue about stock. And and I was really frustrated and probably some people were frustrated trying to help me or I haven't, I haven't a clue. When I think back now, I think, oh, my God, it took me ages to start and get the real idea. And my first dog never really worked out for me. Yes. I I could never really walk him, and I, I'd say I completely destroyed the dog. Um. <laughs> but when I think back to how I started, uh, like I got the book and then I trained my first dogs or whatever, and so I was farming. So, you know, the things kind of fell into place, and every day it got a bit easier the more I trained my dogs. But then I hooked up with Norman Deacon, and she'd be up in his house, and he'd be passing on all this information. But you had none of that. Well, I'm sure you got a little bit of help, but you hadn't the kind of, like I was getting it off a fellow who knew it inside out. And and things then I'd be where I'd be running into bits of frustration. He'd be saying, "Don't worry about that. Just keep doing this and keep doing that." And then after a month or whatever, you'd start to come out the other side and you'd see what was happening. But you had to go through all that frustration there on your own. I just think it's incredible that what made you stick with it, like. What made me stick to it? Because I saw, I saw videos and I thought. I can't be that bloody stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to do that. I found it always fascinating. I found it fascinating to be able to walk a dog like all these people did that I was watching on 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 videos. And I thought, how come that I don't get it? What's it, it was just something that really hooked me, that fascinated me, and I wanted to learn it. That's probably my personality. I want to learn something and if I see I can't do it I try to figure out how can I learn it and what's my way I have a very I think I have a very special way of learning and developing things I need to understand things a certain way that I'm able to um, get them into my system or so 
And that's what made me stick to it. So I started to travel in Austria to people that I felt comfortable that could help me. And and I felt frustrated because I kind of had this piece of land and I was walking and driving around the whole time. So I was starting to look for a small farm in yeah. Austria. And in 2003, four, I think I bought a small farm then. Yes. And got my first sheep there that, you know, not only a few ram lambs that I had for training, I had to start and think of how do I farm this land and what do I really need of the dogs and how do they have to walk and, and, and I think at that stage it started to come together in yes. ways, slowly but surely. Yes, yes. So, so at the start there you were kind of grappling. You couldn't get your head around it and all, and so you kept going because you wanted to understand it. And then, and then you end up, you end up, you got the stage where you were kind of farming. And I'm sure you had to do like the rest of us there. You had to go around putting up fences and all this kind of racket and sheep getting out on you. And were you working exactly. in the city at that time? Where, where were you working, or were you nearby? Or yeah, I was. The farm was roughly an hour away from the city where I was working. So I moved to the. I left Salzburg and I moved in to the north of Austria. Um, and um, had a small farm there and went to work. So, um, and that worked quite well. I was there for ten years. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, and the community there was was very nice. And and the sheep became kind of part of the community there, and the dogs as well. And later then the trials that we organized and everything. So that was a really nice time in my life. I have to say. Yeah. And. For as long as I know you, of course, you live in Ireland. How did uh, how, how did you make the shift from Austria to Ireland? Like, Or how come you didn't end up in Scotland or England or anywhere? How did you end up here? I have a fairly good idea, but... <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't know. Um, I had to think back of, of how that all happened. I think it started... I had a dog. I bought a dog in Germany. Um, George, he was called. He was actually a lovely, lovely dog. He was the full brother of Simon Moses Stark oh, yeah. um, that he won the national, I think, in 2009 with. Yes. And I met Simon the first time at the clinic um, that I attended in Germany in 2008 or nine. it was, I think. I'm not too sure now. And Simon saw me there and he saw the dog and he saw me struggling and he felt probably so sorry for me that he invited me over to Ireland. Yes. Um, so I came to Ireland then in 2008 or nine the first time, and I spent three weeks here um, training my dog, and I ran my first trial here, and that just got me. It was all so different, and it all felt so different, and I thought it's such a different way of walking dogs and thinking of the way how you walk a dog and how you trial. I found the trials here just so relaxing and in comparison to how it was in Austria. So I started to come over again and again and again. <laughs> and yeah, and then I, I met an Irish farmer and, and, um, and you know yourself. And stuck Patty. here ever since. <laughs> well, you can't move, you can't move an Irish farmer away from home, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so you said something there now that, that the trials here were kind of relaxing. What do you think, is that because we have so many of them, like we have, if you don't get it right this Sunday, you can come back out next Sunday and go somewhere else. And what, what is it that makes, because I, I was obviously under the impression that, well, compared to Germans anyway, that Austrians are very laid back and 
Um, like, what kind of big differences did you find here? Why do you think it was different? I think the biggest struggle that I had in Austria was you have, at that time, we had three trials a year, and all these trials were counting for um, continental qualification. And so every trial you had to kind of yeah, be, a lot of you had stakes. to, a lot of pressure on, and there was never, you train and then you go to a trial and then you have to wait and maybe it's a disaster and then you have to wait another three or four months for the next trial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I felt there was never, I always, what I, what I enjoy in comparison here in Ireland, you can go every weekend, you can bring your dog, you can try out things, especially with young dogs, you, you develop with your dog through the trials as well. I find that, I found that very helpful when I started off here in Ireland. And that's what I missed in, in Austria, this, this chance to develop. I'm not somebody who can do something once and then watch videos or go and train and school the whole time and then wait three, three months and go to another trailer. So it, it, it's this consistency that I missed. And is this like, when I think of nurses, our nurses, like for sure we have 10 or 12 or 9 or 11 or whatever we have of them. Uh, you know the way I always use them to experiment with the dogs and you'd be trying things and you see where you are this week and you can go out and practice a bit or fix something for next week and all. Yeah. I, I always wonder how other countries, you know, that don't have so many trials, I, I have to have that because, you know, for to develop the dog. Is that what you mean, that you'd be kind of finding out exactly. where the dog is all the time? Yeah, and, and and develop with your dog through the nurseries. I mean, I don't think I really miss the trial since I'm here now. I'm here six years, and I feel like I can't remember when it was a Sunday at home. You know, it's, yes. it's this, from nurseries and the open season, trials are such a big part of my life, not because I feel like, oh, I have to go. More like that's how other people go golfing probably. Yes. So I find it just... My Sunday off is a Sunday at the trial. I love being there. I love being outside. I love watching dogs. I love watching people, how they handle their dogs and how they handle the sheep. And and that's what I love. And, and every, every Sunday, of course, there's different sheep and different fellows have different breeds and behave a bit different. And yeah. It's a new challenge yeah. every Sunday. What do you find is your favorite thing about trials then? If you had to nail it down to one or two things, what would it be that you love about it? I mean, I love to go out and run my own dog and get the kick of a nice run. Yes. It's just, I love this feeling <laughs> when you can go out and something just works out for you and you, you feel, you feel one with your dog. You're just, it's just all falling into one piece or so. Yes. yes. I love that, that, um, adrenaline or, or I love trials that are really tricky. I, I enjoy when people um, set up interesting courses or when you go to a hill trial and you challenge yourself yes. because you know, don't know how this ground is, how your dog is walking on this ground or how the sheep will respond. And, and I love this. Yeah, I love that. There's a, a thing I often wonder about. When I started dog trials, there was one lady handler, really. Uh, I can only think of one in the whole of Ireland. I'm sure there was two maybe, but I know there was one. But now I see there's a few more women, but it's still not a lot. What's it like as a woman coming to trials? Or does it matter that, you know, there aren't so many women or, or do you notice? Or are we tougher on you or are we hard to be around or anything? I don't know, Paddy. I never think about 
is there a difference between women or men? I was probably brought up um, with this idea that I can do everything I want to do in my life. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Yes. So I don't really think about that. I don't go to a trial thinking, oh, there is so few lady handlers or or I don't. I don't think about that, so yeah, I, I don't brilliant. know. That's brilliant. I'm delighted to hear that. So you just see yourself the same as I see myself or anybody else going to dog trial. You don't. That's great to, to know. Yeah, and I think I think it's. I probably get on fairly well with men. So you know, I I don't have a. I don't have a problem, or I'm not shy to talk to people in general. Yes. So yes. that's why I wouldn't see this. Oh, it's men or women, and and. Yeah, and I love competition. You know, I, I think it's yeah, well, I, competition I, I, has something nice about it as well. I, I certainly don't don't tiptoe around you. I'd be doing my best to beat no. you. I wouldn't, be, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be standing back. When I think of nurseries, I always think of you. I remember there a couple of years ago, um, I think it was with Glenn, and you seemed to win every nursery, every very highly highly placed in every nursery. went out, Probably about three years ago or that. But... Uh, how do you find your dogs, Miriam? Or what are you looking for? Or where do you go from? Or do you buy them? Or how do you come across them? Well, previously I bought dogs, and um, at the moment, or the last few years, I got my dogs out of of uh, Nate's old bitch, the Tina, the Tina bitch. Yes. Um, all my dogs that I have at the moment are out of that bitch because I rate her um, as a very good walk bitch, a very good trial bitch, and a very good breeding bitch because. Yes. What she bred, um, especially the two litters with Tommy Brennan's Glen, um, they were, they probably suited me as well. And I like, I liked her and I like, still like her as a bitch because she was so consistent over all the years in trials and in walk at home and on farms where, where Ned was walking with her. Um, she, there was no fighting with her and that's, probably why I'm, I tend to take Pops out of her um, at the moment. And that's how my Glenn dog is as well. I find him, um, say, like say, today, Yes. I come home from work. I work full time. Um, I come home from work and then I have to do my work here at home on the farm. I'm tired from work. I want to bring my dog out and be able to do my work at home without having the feeling I, I can't trust my dog. Or I have to fight with the dog to get something done. That's probably what I'm looking for in a dog. Yes. For me, listening is a big issue because um, I had dogs before that were hard to handle. Probably I made them harder by doing wrong in in how they how I started them or trained them because of the you know the lack of knowledge and experience I had. Yes. But also I think I had dogs that were not really good listeners or didn't want to work together with me as much. Yes, the dogs that I have at the moment. I want to. I'm looking for a dog that I can rely on. Yes. that I have the feeling he doesn't make it make a situation worse or bad for me. Yes, a fellow that you're not going to get the bad surprise. You're kind of going to know what exactly. You're going to get. And when you yeah. start dogs, is the, the like, and so you've seen. I'm sure your training has evolved a lot there over the last few years. You go along, but what age do you like to start them at, or or how do you go about starting them, or? It know. depends. I mean, we are in the lucky position the last few years that we bred all the pups ourselves and that we had them here and we kept a few out of each litter. So we just, 
I just let them out at a stage in a paddock here and see when they start to show interest. And then it really depends on when they show more interest and in what they do. Very different. I mean, my Glen dog was actually, in comparison to my whist dog, a late starter. Glen only started when he was not started, but he, I only started to bring him out regularly and train him when he was nine months, probably yes. eight, nine months. But when he was 11 months, he was ready to go to his first nursery. He was, yes, he was so easy then to, he picked it all up and he wanted to learn more and more. Whereas my wisp dog, he was more or less when he was five, six months, you could do an open course at home with oh, him. Oh, you could do that much with him at that, that age. Yeah, that's he, 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 he was completely different to start. Um, and how do you start him? So say, that's incredible now to have, have him kind of that much on him at that young age. Like, do you start him in a small place with a few sheep or do you have a round pen or how do you like to start a fellow like that? Um, I worked with round pen when I was in Austria and um, I don't have a round pen here. I have a kind of a small paddock where I have a few, I bring a few sheep in and I let the, the young dogs out because it's just easier to catch them than they can whatever um, they show and, and whatever they, they don't show. But um, kind of I start the basics there to make them around, go around sheep and kind of stop them and steady them. I'll do all that in that small paddock yes. and then then I just bring them out in, in the field nearby and see what I can do. Yes, yes. When you start to get the principles into them and when you see that they start to know them, you take them out into bigger places. And Yeah. With this lockdown at the moment, I mean, uh, uh, me and a lot of my friends, we aren't working, but I know you're probably busier than you ever were. And it, like the, that's the only change for you now is you, you probably have more work to try and get through. But you must love these uh, summer evenings now to get out and get training and all that kind of thing, do you? Oh, I can't, I can't wait for the, for the spring every year. It's, in winter it's really difficult because I'm, I'm gone the whole day and I've no daylight. The only time I can really bring dogs out in the winter is Saturday, um, before the nursery, then yes. on Sunday. This time of the year is brilliant. I'll, I'll come home from work and I can do whatever is needed with sheep and then there's time to bring young dogs out as well. It's, it's lovely. I could be, I'm, I'm out more or less every evening until the daylight is gone. It's it's just ah, a great time of the year. And um, you're in the same boat as the rest of us now. We've no trials and no nationals, no international, no nothing to look forward to this year. Well, not yet anyway, in the way of trials. How do you handle that? Are you just happy to school in the evenings or, or have you set new goals? Or are you thinking about 2021? Or What do you do in that situation? Well, I mean... Geez, I was looking forward to this year. I mean, I qualified for the world trial and I couldn't wait to run Glen. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I, in a way, I was disappointed. And then I started to look at it and, and I thought, I have a, a one-year-old dog here at the moment and a nine-month-old dog here. So I thought, I'm actually happy that I have time, a full weekend for them now, just to put a little bit, bit more time into them. Um so, yeah, I'm only finished lambing since last week, really. So I, I kind of didn't realize yet what it means not to have the trials. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not at that point yet. I'm more like my dogs have work and 
and I enjoy bringing the young ones out and starting them off now. Um, yeah, well, so it's nice now that you have a young dog to keep you going there. Last year was very impressive with the national. I was there and I saw you run. I saw you qualify early in the morning there, one morning, and I was sitting there holding my breath. It was brilliant. But what was it like for you? I remember, well, like, I just, I think I remember that you had a little bit of a close one at the first drive hurl, and then you got the wheels back on and got them through it and got around the course lovely and had a super finish and all. What did that feel like, Miriam? I mean, you've been trialing away there for years and you've won trials, plenty of them, and placed and all this kind of thing, but the national now must have got a kick out of that, did you? I mean, that, that run just felt, oh my God, I felt I felt exhausted afterwards, but really good and and really in a positive way. Yes. I, I, that was this adrenaline kick that I've sometimes felt, but not as much as I felt it at this run. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I had the feeling... It was it was just lovely to it was lovely to finish a run. It was my first ever finished run at the national. Yes. Um, I, did, <laughs> so. I didn't I didn't know that, but I remember when you had I, now, I, I might be wrong even, but it, to my mind I remember you had some little bit of a wobble on the way down the drive just before the hurl, and then you got it right, and it was like it was like you got your little kink out of the way then, and you just you had a it's like you did it every year after that, just you had a powerful run all the way around. And then so that meant then that you got to qualify to be in the runoff with, with there was only three of you in the runoff, and I heard you were very very close to to winning the national. But even second must have felt very good, did it, Miriam? Oh, absolutely! I'm absolutely thrilled with the result, and it was lovely because um, I was able because I was running second in the runoff, so was I was able to watch Michael's run, and it was lovely to stand there and see that he had a better run. You know, this better, yes. smoother run, and to think that's really nice to watch. I, I really, I really enjoyed to be in a runoff with, I mean, John McGinn and Michael Gallagher, come on now. Yeah, yeah, no, Who wouldn't want quality. that? <laughs> to have your name between two names like this, and then um, to watch, I didn't watch John's run because I was preparing for my own, but to watch Michael's run afterwards was just a really good feeling and experience and and I was delighted he won it yeah delighted for him and then I was over in Scotland at the international and so I got to see you run there and I must say uh, I mean that was a fairly intimidating course there I mean there was a lot of good dogs up there got it wrong and couldn't get their sheep and had a lot of you know was that intimidating going out to the stake or what did that feel like looking up at that Mm, I was very nervous going out um but more because it's a new situation and you feel all these people in your back and watching you and oh my god the atmosphere is just <laughs> it's just brilliant yes. just oh it kicks it kicks me even thinking about it and i can't wait i would love to go back and, and <laughs> probably ev- won't happen <laughs> but everybody probably will happen everybody's attention is on you there like oh, you're, you're 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 like especially the, the second day everybody's studying hard but towards the end of the second day where all the the national winners and the second place runner-up and the third place and all i mean there's a lot of serious dogs coming out in the afternoon there and you're one of yeah. those so we are we're all paying a lot of attention to you but it was interesting paddy i've, I've I've watched all the runs and I was at the Hills of Donegal um, in August between the national and the international. And 
I was very happy with my dog there because the outruns were, oh my God, they were difficult, long yes. distances and the fields and everything. And when I went to the na- international, I went out with this confidence in my kind of stomach thinking, my dog is a good spotter of sheep. And from where I was watching runs with him, I knew he, he could see the sheep. Yes. And I trust my dog. That's what, what I mean about, I thought it could all go tits up as well. Yeah. Well, but I thought I have to go, that. I have to go out with this confidence to feel that my dog is able to do it and not to wreck his head going up this outrun. Yes. And, and it, it worked out for me. I was delighted when I saw, I saw the way he ran that he knew where to go. So yes. I just left him alone. Yes. So you didn't need to touch him, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't whistle him. He overran. I think um, that's what costed me points. He overran and had to come back a little bit. Yes. Um, but oh my Christ, I, I, I tell you, it's good work to find <laughs> the sheep up there, and uh, like there was a lot of uh, vegetation and stuff on it. But uh, I was wondering to myself, like, how did you prepare and, and all that? But it sounds like the hills of Donegal was very important there. That you know, you had plenty of good history up there over the few days, and you were able to follow. Oh, yeah. Gave you confidence going out in, in that place. Absolutely brilliant trials. I yeah. really enjoyed that week. Very difficult, very challenging, and and I really, really enjoyed it because that's you could never go and train that. Yeah, to that's go what, out in the situation. It's it's yeah yeah. It, it, yeah. That's I was wondering. Like, it's not that easy to prepare for the thing in Scotland. Never mind if you could find a course that was like it. But um, with the hills of Donegal, there I've never been to it and all, but. To, is it like five days of trialing one after another, is it? Or six or four? Um, I think it was five trials. Um, and would you find... Yeah, I think it was five. Did you find the dog changed at all over the course of the few days? Or did anything slip on him or did he improve it? Or did you find any any variation in him? No, but he's probably that type of dog. He He's a dog... Like in the first years of nurseries, when I ran him, he could be locked up the whole week in the winter, and you bring him out, and he's just the way he always is. Yeah, you just knew there's what no, you get, yeah. There's no, none of that what I had with my previous dogs, this, oh, you have to bring the dog out before a trial and make sure he's in the right mood and yes. walk him because otherwise he's too pushy or he doesn't flank correctly for a trial and he could upset this type of sheep or whatever. I don't have that with him. Yeah, he's a very consistent you dog mean, even if... Do you mean that like between trials and all or even if he's parked up for the week, there's no real slippage on the train, and the training sticks, and he's consistent all the time. Are we pretty much like? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't school him. Is not the right word. I don't, but I have to say, I don't school him. Yes. I do my work with him. Yes. And and if I see something is not right, then I would correct it in my work as well. Yes. yes. But I think he, I think. What I learned from my previous dogs, I think schooling wrecks my head and it wrecks my dog's heads. Yes, yes. I can be very stubborn. I'm a very stubborn person and and I think I can be very persistent and that might not be helpful for my dogs and me at certain times. So that's why I try to be very careful with schooling and training. Um, I try to... 
do as much as I can in, in the work situations I have at home. Yes. I'm smiling here thinking about you being stubborn and insistent and everything because I'm thinking yeah that's that's how you got the stick and stay in sheepdogs when it got frustrating and everything you wouldn't give up <laughs> yeah, yeah no it's not easy to frustrate me now <laughs> yeah. but uh, it must be difficult now having been qualified for the world trial and well qualified for it in a nice position um, I'm sure you were getting excited about that over the winter and thinking about preparing for it and, and the, the fun it would be when you look back at yourself at the start, when you were, you know, in that time of frustration and, you know, when all the things you needed weren't really around you, like like I had access to, say, my buddy Norman Deacon there who'd give me any help I needed mm-hmm. with any situation. There's other people, like, in that situation now. What what would you say to people like that, you know, that are starting out? Um, you know, what could you say to them that might be of use to them? You, you must remember what that was like. I think it depends so much where you come from and what advice you need but I think it's very important that you you can listen to everything you're told but be very careful what you take in yes or what advice you follow and don't listen to too many or don't follow too many different things I think that's what confused me a lot that I went to too many different people and different ideas and um and well, say, how would somebody like that, because there's so much information available on the internet and just this trainer does it this way and this trainer says that, and how would somebody go about finding a good person to get information from or, or you know, could help? I think you have to find out what's your own way and style. And, and I think the difference is if you are a stock person and you know how to handle sheep, then that's different again. I had no stock sense and as cattle and, and how to work stock. I, I think that's a big difference. I wouldn't go to this person or to that person because everyone is so different. What I think, for example, I love watching our young handlers in the nurseries in Leinster. Yes. Because it fascinates me to see how somebody who is 12, 14 years of age can have such good stock sense yes. that I'm just amazed and yeah. that's well, that that's fa- what I think yeah, that people fasc- should watch that fascinates me as well but the other thing that fascinates me when I go to European nursery or whatever and I see a lot of European handlers and uh, you know I often ask people but I'm kind of asking the wrong people I often wonder how do they get to stock sense but you're the exact person because you grew up in Salzburg and, and weren't handling sheep or cattle or anything else how do people, you know, how do they get that stock sense? Because like, I'd be thinking, you know, when I grew up, you'd be stand here, go there, or you'd be trying to get in yeah. stock or whatever, and you just you pick it up without even noticing. But how do how do regular people, or what could they do to help themselves pick it up? I often wonder. Work sheep without the dog. Yes. I, I, I still do it in, in some stages um, that I, like at lambing or so, that I try to do something myself you know to see what effect do i have on sheep or lambs or whatever i think i learned it i learned it the hard way saying i had to try it myself to see what effect do i have and what do i need my dog to do yes um and i still find it difficult when you go to a trial and and i work sheep that i wouldn't be used to to figure out some people you know some really good handlers they have this the dog 
even probably before the dog lands in behind the sheep, they know already what to do and handle the sheep. Yes. And I often feel I still have to look for, oh, okay, they need a little bit more of this or a little bit less of that or... And that's something you, I think you just learn that by go out and do it, go to trials, um, watch other handlers, try and pen sheep, try and, I mean, you, you know that yourself loading sheep into a trailer or it's, it's them things or shed off sheep, um, out of a mob and, and push yourself. I tried to push myself. It was not comfortable every time and and it's sometimes really hard work if you start off where I started off but it's worth it I think the best advice that I that I got or I'm still getting it um is when Nate says to me don't make it easy on yourself yes um challenge yourself and challenge the dog and and I found it really helped me I I was out alarming the first time here at home now on my own this year um, because Ned was lambing away and, and I was completely on my own. And the last few years, I always knew if something goes wrong, Ned is around. Yes. But this year I knew it's only me and my dog here and I, we have to get on with whatever happens. Yes. And, and I thought, yeah, it's exactly what he says. Just get on with it and, and try and make it happen. And, and it worked really well then. When you, you know, say, you, when you say about making it hard on yourself, when you be, do you, do you set things up sometimes to make them more complicated than they need to be for yourself and the dog? Or how do you mean make things harder? Or well, push yourself? How do you mean push yourself? I know what you mean with the lamb and there. You, you know yourself now, for example, with hill sheep. We have um, mainly um, hill sheep at home now. Yes. And I can remember when I moved over from Austria, my biggest stress all the time was broken out sheep. Because in Austria, when sheep break out, the neighbors ring and it's always a big disaster, you yes. know. But here, Ned always said, isn't it great? Isn't it a great opportunity for you and your dog now? Because your dog has to go through ditches and over, you know, through streams and pass on lanes or whatever. And in the beginning, I found that wicked stressful. I have to say, it didn't suit my personality. Yes. <laughs> And I wanted things to be right and structured and, and everything. And, and now, you know, now I would say, oh, I take my Glen dog or my Wisp dog because I know it works. But I have a nice 12 month old dog here and he's ready to start and do these things, you know, so I should actually the next time when they are broken out, I should bring him because it will, it might make it harder on me to explain to him what we're going to do there now. But I think it will improve him, or not improve him, I think it will develop him. Yes. So it's like it's like if the sheep get out, for example, and they're in this situation that has nothing to do with trials, they're out inside the road somewhere, and uh, uh, you get a phone call, maybe come and put your sheep in. But you could take the young dog, even though it might be easier to do with the old dog, but you take it because yeah. it's an opportunity for him to learn something, and it's a little investment in his training. Is that what you mean? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I, try to do it sometimes i'm lazy as well and take my own yes, dog. yes. <laughs> but yeah i would i would try and take opportunities like that and i, I always try to re remind myself of of what nate says to me you know push yourself and don't get too comfortable and 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 i think that's that's the advice i'm trying to 
take on and do less of of um yeah other things that would probably wreck my head and my dog's head. So thanks for listening. I hope this interview has sparked some new ideas for you. If you want to support Churchmen and to learn more about us and how we train dogs, you can become a Patreon subscriber over at our website at churchmansheepdogs.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Churchman Sheepdogs.